you're joining us, we are landing the plane on a series that we have been doing called The Stand. But before I um, get to that, I just want to give a really quick plug. Next Sunday, this is obviously the end of a series, so next Sunday night we are launching a brand new series and this is going to be a great opportunity. Uh, If you maybe have some questions about faith yourself or you have people who have pushed back against the church or maybe they have some uh, uh, some questions around this idea of Jesus and, and church and the Bible and all that kind of stuff, we are launching a brand new series called Unexpected Answers. Because chances are, if you've had questions about uh, Christianity, if you've had questions about, you know, wh- well, what do they believe and why do they believe that, uh, Jesus uh, and the people that he was around during his life had those same questions. And you might not know, but in, in the New Testament part of the Bible, these questions were actually documented and we're going to have a look at Jesus' response to some of the big questions of life and some of the unexpected answers that he gave. So come along next Sunday for that one. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but if you're just joining us, this is the tail end of this series, like I said, that we've been doing called The Stand. So if you want to join in the conversation, I'd encourage you to jump online to our Facebook page on our SoundCloud uh, and you'll be able to listen and uh, uh, hear all the other parts that we've been doing. But essentially, um, I'll catch up really, really quick and then we'll push on. Essentially what we've been doing with this series is talking about what does beyond stand for. So right up front, if you are not a follower of Jesus, uh, this has been an opportunity for you, and we've just been telling uh, you, if you are in that boat, if you're not sure about the whole church thing, uh, if you would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, but Beyond is not my church, that's fine, but this is an opportunity for you to get a backstage pass into why we do what we do here at Beyond. And if you're a follower of Jesus and Beyond, you say, yeah, Beyond is my local church, this is an opportunity for us to revisit why it is we do what we do. So in part one, we looked at, looked at our vision and the reason that we do everything here at Beyond is because we want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. A church that unchurched people love to attend. And then for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at some of the values that we hold dear and, and help us move towards that vision. So in part two, we looked at the idea that we'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Jesus. In order to reach people no one's reaching, we'll have to do things no one's doing, like playing cold water as our opener. And if you're, if you're new to church, we want you to feel comfortable here. That's why we do it, not to be cool, but because we want to do things and reach people that no one else is reaching. In uh, part three, we looked at the idea that we are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. And that's because the church is not a building, the church is the people. So we are the church and we actually exist for the world. And last week, if you were here, uh, if you missed it last week, you need to get on SoundCloud and listen to part four. Riley talked about all the idea, Riley's another one of our communicators, He talked about the idea that life is better connected. And then after the service, there were so many hot dogs. uh, There were so many uh, donuts with massive chocolate and caramel-filled syringes. So many people uh, went into food comas after that one. But that was around the idea that life is better connected. And so we wanted to show people that life is better connected. Life doesn't happen in rows, but life happens in circles. And tonight, as we land this plane, as we wrap this series up, I want to put a saying up on the screen that you have probably heard. Uh, many, many times before in your life, and it's this. Uh, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, even if you haven't been to church, or maybe you're new to the whole church thing, chances are you've heard that before at some point in your life, but maybe you didn't know that it actually comes from the New Testament part of the Bible. In fact, it comes and it's spoken um, by a, a man called uh, Paul, who actually used to kill Christians for a living before he became a Christian himself. And this guy called Paul went and he planted a whole heap of 
churches around the Mediterranean Rim. And one of these churches that he planted uh, was in a city called Ephesus. And Paul was about to leave this city, this church. He'd been there for a couple of years. And Paul was hanging out with some of the senior leaders. And uh, Paul said this to them. But he was actually quoting uh, from Jesus. So this is actually Jesus' words quoted through Paul. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But when I first heard those words, you know, when I was little, I was like, really? More blessed to give than to receive. Paul, are you sure you, are you, sure you didn't get that muddled up? Don't you mean it is like just as blessed to give as it is to receive? Like, because it's pretty good to receive, Paul. I don't know whether you've done much receiving, but, but it is pretty good to get stuff. Maybe, Paul, maybe you just got the quote around the wrong, wrong way. Because in my experience, it's more blessed to receive than it is to give. And maybe, maybe you kind of thought like me, I like to think of loopholes through things. So when I heard that, you know, it's more blessed to give than receive, my first thought was like, yeah, but Paul didn't have iPhones in his day. Paul didn't have PS4s, in, Paul didn't have Facebook, Paul didn't have the technology that we have in his day. Sure, maybe in his day it was more blessed to give than to receive, because what's he giving away? A couple of chickens and some lambs and stuff? Like, he doesn't have anything cool to give away. Surely, surely it's not more blessed really to give than to receive. But the thing that we miss when we read over this passage is because in our mind, giving and receiving are, are points in time. Someone says, are you a generous person? Yeah, I'm generous I, I, and I did things. And you list off the things that you did. But the community that Paul was talking to would have realized that this idea of giving was actually bigger than a point in history. In fact, generosity, giving, was not something that those people did. It was something that they were. And so when Paul was communicating this to people, to this group, they knew exactly what they meant. And in fact, uh, scholars, people way, way smarter than I, have um, translated it and distilled it for our culture. And if Paul was to speak these words into our culture today, right now, he would probably say something like this. Happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. Happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. And to be honest, at first glance, I'd be kind of inclined to agree with Paul on that one. I have never seen an unhappy, generous person. I have seen lots of people who are unhappy who try and keep everything to themselves, but but I've never ever heard or seen an unhappy, generous person. And so with that in mind, uh, I want to talk about one of our core values tonight. And our core value is this, is we, believe, uh, we are generous with our time, our talent, and our treasures. We are generous with our time, our treasures, and our talents. Because we believe as a community that we want to order our lives around giving rather than receiving. Now, b- before I go any further, I know, I know that there are some of you in your head and you're starting to, to replay some bad memories that maybe you had in church. So I just want to address two things before we, before we push on. The first thing I want to address is this, is this is not a money talk. This is bigger than money. This is about generosity. And, and often maybe you've heard in church or maybe you've experienced in church and when people talk about generosity, there's always an emotional plea or they always make you feel guilty. I don't know whether you know this, but I cannot force you to do anything. 
In fact, most of the time, you guys don't listen to what I have to say anyway. So, you know, it's, it's okay. You can just add this one into the group. That's cool too. But, but tonight, it, this is not an emotional plea. I am not going to guilt you in because I want to help you see that when you order your life around giving rather than receiving, it benefits you. And the second pushback, that, that maybe you're in this boat, you, you may, maybe in your mind, you think, oh, I don't need to listen to this. I'm going to switch off because I already am generous. Now, I'm not saying you're not generous. I, w- I would never go that far. I don't know you. I don't know your situations. I'm not saying you're not generous. What I will say is, in my life, when my wife, you know, might tell me, hey, baby, you need to help a little bit with the laundry. You haven't done it a lot. You know, you, you don't really help with the laundry. The first thing that I do is, is I remember the one time I did help. And I use that as a justification for why I always help with the laundry. Remember that one time, babe, 18 months ago when the laundry was there and you weren't home and, like, I had to do it myself, but I did it, remember that? Yeah, I do it all the time. Now, I'm not saying you're like that, but I'm just saying, just pretend. For the next 20 minutes that we're together, just pretend that you're not generous if, if you're in that group. And maybe there's something that, that you can learn or that, that you can um, add into. So the plan of attack, just to be really clear tonight... First, we're going to look at three myths surrounding generosity. And then I'm going to give you a generosity game plan because generosity requires a plan. Now we know where we're going, let's, let's jump in. The first myth, the first myth surrounding generosity is this. Generosity is spontaneous. Generosity is a lot less spontaneous than you would think. In fact, oftentimes when we think of generosity, we think spontaneity because we equivalent... Uh, make generosity the same as a random act of kindness. Generosity and random acts of kindness are not the same. Random acts of kindness are good, you should do them all the time, or when you get the opportunity, but they are not the same. Random acts of kindness are not planned, and they are often the result of an emotional plea or a guilt trip. Oh, I better do it. Oh, I feel so bad, I better do it. Generous people will have a plan, will be less emotional, will be less guilted into giving. In fact, maybe you've ever had those people knock, knock on your door and they've said, oh, we're raising money for whatever organization. Generous people actually have an easier time saying no because they've already said yes to something else. Generous people are already being generous and have already made a plan and decided where, where they're going to spend their time, where they're going to devote their, their money and whether they're going to devote their talents to. So it is a lot easier to guilt someone who is generous into giving. The second myth is this, it's the amount that counts. It's the amount that counts. Maybe maybe you've heard that before. I actually, um, uh, one of the emails uh, that I subscribe to, one of the websites I subscribe to is a a website called Forbes. And maybe you haven't heard of it before, but it's kind of like a a business, uh, leadership, economics kind of magazine. Uh, You've probably seen them on Facebook at some times. They they will come out around New Year's and they'll have like the top 10 richest celebrities or the top 20 highest paid sports stars or or 25 of the world's best, you know, those random ones, female pop stars under 23 or whatever. And the article that that grabbed my attention was the first person in history to remove themselves from the billionaire, from, from a status of billionaire because of their giving. The first person to remove themselves from the billionaire club because of their generosity was J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter books. Now, to say that J.K. Rowling is generous is relative because it's not the amount that counts. 
What is a lot for J.K. Rowling to give may not be a lot for someone else in the billionaire club to give. What is a lot for me to give of my time, of my talents, of my treasure may not be a lot for someone else to give. For example, if you are married and you have a young family, you are time poor. If you are a single university student, maybe working one part-time job, you have a lot more time on your hands. So giving is not the amount that counts. Is J.K. Rowling generous? I don't know. But that's not the, that's not the point. Is often we hear this dollar figure and we think generosity. It's not the amount that counts. The final, the final generosity myth that I want to bust is this. Rich people are generous. Rich people are generous. Now, you guys are smart. I know you're smart, so I won't spend too much time on this. But let me just clarify this one point. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. Chances are, if in your mind you think that there's a dollar figure you can get to and then you'll be generous, or you can grow your business to a certain point and then you'll have more time to, to you know, be generous because you don't do anything uh, time-wise, donating your time at the moment, or you think you get to a certain point where you can donate your talents, that is not the case. Whenever you get to that point in your mind where you finally made the rich status, if you were not generous before, you will not be generous when you are rich. Because rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. Rich people who are generous were generous before they got rich. So, with that in mind, how do we create a generosity game plan? How do we order our lives around giving rather than receiving? And, and how do we put this generosity game plan into action? Well, the good news is, excuse me, the good news is that the same uh, person who quoted the words of Jesus to that group in Ephesus, Paul, uh, wrote a letter to a number of the other churches that he started. And, and he wrote this letter to a church in Corinth, and Paul addresses and outlines this generosity game plan. And it is going to be completely different to what you may have thought or heard in the past when it comes to generosity. So in 1 Corinthians 16, chapter 1, it'll come up on the screen. You are, um, I'd encourage you to follow along. It says this. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people. So about the collection for the Lord's people. For those of you who don't know, I tried to have a map up, but it was kind of um, doing something funny. But the church started and erupted out of a city called Jerusalem. And then Paul and all the other disciples of Jesus went around the Mediterranean rim to churches, places like Corinth, to Rome, to Ephesus, to this one really cool place called Thessalonica. I don't know anything about it. It's just cool because Thessalonica sounds awesome. And they started these churches. And so as Paul's writing to this church in Corinth, talking about Jerusalem, because when the church exploded in Jerusalem, Christians were persecuted. Christians were, were locked away for their belief. Christians were denied jobs because of their faith. In fact, uh, Christians often had a hard time purchasing food because when people found out they were Christians, they didn't want to have anything to do with them. And so Paul is writing to the Corinthian people because they're taking up a collection to send back to the church at Jerusalem. And he goes on. He says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. In other words, this is not specific to you. I'm telling all, everybody. Everybody who's a follower of Jesus, I'm giving them, I'm telling them this to do. And then he goes on. And he says this. On the first day of every week, set aside a sum of money. Now, Paul's talking about finances, but you can, you can uh, talk about time, you can talk about your gifts, your talents as well in this. Set aside a sum of money on the first day 
of every week. In other words, make it a priority. That's the first part of the generosity game plan. Make it a priority. We know that when we say we're going to leave something to the end of the week, we very rarely get around to it. In fact, if you're in uni or if you can think back to uni or high school or maybe you're in it right now, so many times, uh, and I know because I've been there, you know, I've got an assignment due in a week and it's a week out and I'm like, I should work on it right now. I'll leave it till Friday night. I've got a lot of stuff going on. I'll leave it till Friday night. And then Friday night rolls around and there's stuff to do on a Friday night. Yeah, there's Netflix to watch and YouTube to watch until 2 a.m. And then Saturday rolls around and Sunday rolls around and the weekend's just going. And then it's not until like 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon that you think, oh man, I've got to do some uni work. I'm going to have to pull an all-nighter to get this done. It's because, if we're honest, we didn't make it a priority. Paul says, set it aside at the start of the week, showing that it's a priority for you. And then if you're like me, um, I, like, I like the details. You know, I'm a details person. So my next question, okay, Paul, I've got to set, set some stuff aside. How much? How much should I set aside? And Paul's answer is frustratingly annoying for people like me. Set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. But Paul, how much in keeping with your income? Do you have a percentage on that, Paul, like a dollar figure or something? In keeping with your income. So whether, whether maybe you realize it or maybe you thought about it a lot, uh, you have and you spend your time and you spend your money and you spend the talents that you have and so you are living off a percentage of your income. You, if you were to divide your time, you could divide your time and how you spend your time into percentages. So what Paul is saying here is pick a percentage that keeps with your income. Pick a portion. It can go up or it can go down. But when we pick a dollar figure, that is our income increases, the money, our, our dollar figure stays the same or our time stays the same. And as our income decreases, the dollar figure stays the same. Paul says, no, no, pick a percentage that keeps in line with your income, something that's manageable for you. Something that you can commit to and as your income increases, then the amount you'll give will grow because the percentage of that income increases. You guys are smart, you get it. I'm not a good maths person. I'm not great at explaining that stuff. And then he goes on, he says, this is the most important part. In fact, if you've maybe been jaded by talks of generosity in church before, you, you need to pay attention to what Paul says next. He says, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will in other words, when I come, they're not going to gather us all together and I'm not going to come, I'm not going to preach the house down and I'm not going to like, you know, build up to this big moment where it's all emotional and then I say, now give me your money. I'm not going to do that. That's what Paul is saying. I'm not going to come knocking on your door saying, hey, you know, here's this really good cause, it's in Jerusalem, all these Christians are dying. Because Paul goes, no, no, no. Because it's bigger than that. I want you to learn how to be generous. Because when you learn how to be generous, you start to understand the final piece of the game plan, which is progressive. When you are generous with a small amount and you start to be generous with your time or your finances and your talents in a small way, over time you will begin to increase the amount of time and increase. And so Paul is saying... I don't want to give you a dollar figure and I don't want to guilt you into it because I want you to see for yourself that ordering your life around giving rather than receiving is beneficial to you 
and then it ultimately benefits other people. We have this thing at Beyond, it's called For Monday, because we believe whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, if you come to church on Sunday, it should uh, impact you and change your life for Monday. So I want to give you the three questions that you can ask that will help you put together your generosity game plan. Now, I know some of you just switched off because I said the word plan. And you're like, I'm not a planner. I just like to, uh, you know, I just kind of go with the flow. I just do whatever. And, and if you're in that group, that is cool. I totally get that. But, and I'm not being rude. I'm just kind of saying it how it is. You already have a plan. In fact, if I was to look at your calendar and you were to tell me where you spend your time, and then I was to look at your finances and, and tell you where, you would show me where you spend your money, and then I was to look at your talents and see where you divide your talents, I would be able to look at that and I would be able to say, well, you spend so much time here and here and you divide your money to here and here and you would say, hey, yeah, that sounds a lot like me. You already have a plan. This way you just know what the plan is. So the three questions to ask when you're putting together a generosity game plan are this. The first question is how much? How much of my time? How much of my finances? How much of my talents am I going to be generous with? And then the second question is really simple, it's how often? Am I going to serve or am I going to contribute once a month, twice a month, once every six months, once a year maybe? How often am I going to do it? And the last question is where? Where am I going to put my time and my finances and my talents to use? Am I going to put them to use in a local church? Am I going to put them to use in, a, in an organisation outside of the church that, that is close to my heart? Where? Are you going to be generous? And, and even if maybe you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm not, I, don't really, I don't really buy this. That's okay. Just imagine, what, just imagine like what would happen if you did this. So imagine if you were to, to follow through on this. Imagine how much you would give. Imagine how often you would give. And imagine where you would give As we bring this plane into land, as we wrap this entire series up, I want to show you the words that Jesus said. Because I know that as much as I may try to, to share my heart and share where this is coming from, that I actually want something for you, I understand that some of you are like, oh, I don't know, oh, I don't know about this, Chris. So I just want to share with you the words that Jesus said. Because Jesus said this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What you spend your time on, what you spend your finances on, what you devote your talents to will ultimately pull your heart in that direction. In fact, where, where you spend your time, where you spend your money, when you spend your talents, if you were to look across that, you would be able to get a pretty good idea of where your heart is being pulled towards. And I understand that generosity may seem radical. I understand that it might seem completely counterintuitive to you to order your life around giving rather than receiving. I get that. But what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Because ultimately, whether you believe in, in God, whether you believe that there's an afterlife or not, we cannot take anything with us when we leave. So the question that, that we need to address and that I need to address and you need to address is this. Are you ordering your life around things that will ultimately get left behind? 
If you don't want to think about it in terms of generosity, giving and receiving, that's fine. But are you ultimately ordering your life around things that will ultimately get left behind? I'll just share this last story with you and then we'll call it a day. I was um, down at Coles this week, actually. And uh, I, was buying some, I was buying some food. Uh, we're, we're having a meeting with uh, some of our communicators. We're actually looking at 2017. And we're, we're having a meeting to begin to plan what we're going to talk about, to begin to talk through what series work, what series didn't work this year. And so uh, I said, hey, let's come over and uh, I'll cook us up breakfast and, and then we can talk uh, over food. And, and I went down to Coles and I was at the, uh, you know, I was you know, picking up the bacon, picking up the eggs, got the orange juice and all that. And then I saw uh, someone that I knew. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Beyond is a, a church. We, we were started out of an existing church, and that church is Living Faith. In fact, this is their building that we're in that they uh, graciously let us use. And I saw one of the guys on the board uh, from Living Faith there, and, and he was at the self-serve checkout. And, uh, you know, I, I was looking, and, and he's, uh, you know, at, at Coles, how above the self-serve checkouts, there's that red sign that it says, like, cash only or card only. Well, here's one, you know, he was at a sign that said cash only, and the one next to him didn't say anything, but I saw it had the pin pad. I was like, sweet, I'm, I can get in next to him, I can say day, and then it's, and, uh, we can have a bit of a chat while I uh, do, do the groceries. And so pulled up next to him, we're having a chat, and started swiping my stuff through, and then to my shock and dismay, it comes up on the screen, please insert cash. I am the most awkward person at the best of times. Like, I don't carry cash with me. Like, I was like, this, it's, it's got a pin pad here. It did not say cash only. Like, I'm getting really awkward. So, like, I know there's a customer service rep and they're walking around, but I deliberately waited until they were closer to me so I wouldn't have to walk over and I could, like, kind of be like, hey, psst, psst, just come here. Just, i got an issue. And so I kind of walked over to her and I was like, I've got a bit of an issue here. Like, can you turn the, like, pin pad on because I don't have any cash? And I turned back... And the guy on the board has already just pulled out the money and thrown it in the machine for me. And, and it, I'm like even more embarrassed as it is now because I'm like, oh man, he thinks I like, don't have any money. Like all these things are going through my head. And so I was like, what are, you, what are your details? What are your bank account details? Please, please, can I just transfer the money back to you? He said, no, don't be silly. He said, you, you, think this is like, you think this is for you? I'm not doing it for you. We were talking and you said that this was going towards a meeting that you guys were having to plan out stuff for 2017. My wife and I, we have already determined and picked a percentage. And so I know that if I give this money to you, it's going to where it was going to go anyway. In fact, the change that I've got left over, I'm going to go back and, and the rest of this change, it was already part of what was, um, what I had, part of the money I decided to give to the church or to give to this play, uh, to give to the church. Yeah, so I'm going to go and I'm going to give the rest of this money that you don't have to feel, uh, you don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to feel anything. And here I am, I'm like overwhelmed. And this guy's just like stonewalling. He's like emotionless. He's like, yeah, well, I'm generous, you know. Like, he's already made a plan, and he's already picked it. And it made me think. It made me think back through times in my life, and I honestly can't remember a time when someone's consumerism had an impact on me. When someone's consumerism, when someone's giving to themselves had a lasting impact on my life. But when I think back about people's generosity how people dedicated their time to, to sit with me and walk through difficult situations with me, how people generated their talent or donated their talents to, to perhaps help me grow as a leader or grow as a speaker or grow as a, just a man in general, I remember how generous they were 
And I definitely remember how generous people have been with me when they've helped me financially and maybe paid for meals or paid for coffees or when you wash your passport and you're on your honeymoon and they pay for your train to uh, go to Chicago to get a new passport. Little things like that. I remember people's generosity and it made me think about us. We have the opportunity to leave a lasting impact on people in our sphere of influence and people in our community. But the way in which we do that is not by being consumers. It's by ordering our lives around giving rather than receiving. And if you're a follower of Jesus and, and you say, yeah, beyond is my local church, and I want to challenge you to ask those three questions this week and to be generous to beyond. But don't just stop there. Don't just stop there. Pick an organisation that has also had an impact and left a lasting impact on your life and be generous with them as well. And I know it might seem like a big step and you think, oh man, I I know generous people. I don't know if I can be that generous. I I don't know if I can do that. All it's being generous starts with taking a step. That's all it does. Being generous starts with taking a step and ultimately ends in leaving a lasting impact. Happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. Will you order your life around giving rather than receiving? Let me pray for you. Jesus, we just thank you uh, so much that uh, your words have been preserved uh, in these texts tonight. It's such a counterintuitive thing for us to think of, you know, ordering our lives around giving rather than receiving. But when we think of the cross and we think of the fact that you laid your life down for us, you were beaten and you were humiliated by your own creation, but, but you chose to do that for us because that is what you value. You loved us so much that you were willing to lay everything down. Lord, if that's the example, if that's who we follow, not just someone who's a good teacher, but someone who's a saviour, Lord, help us to accept the things that, that you say that maybe are hard for us to get our heads around. And Lord, I just pray that this week that maybe people um, would begin to look at a generosity game plan and begin to look at what it may look like to order their lives around giving rather than receiving. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.